millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And good morning, what is a very damp and wet morning across Cork City and County. I have a lot of texts in asking about road conditions. I'll get to those very shortly because there is a lot of flooding in various parts of the county at the moment. But Bernie is on hand this morning taking your comments on 1850-333-103 or you can text at WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email across the morning jp at c103.ie or tweet us at c103cork. And ahead on the programme, we will be discussing the latest restrictions which are going to come into force due to COVID-19 and that is going to happen tomorrow, Christmas Eve and we know the reasons for this and 970 cases of COVID across the country yesterday numbers are on the increase and because of that uh, and because of what's happening in the UK with a new mutant form of COVID especially in the south of the UK uh, this is the reason why the restrictions are coming in uh, sooner than they were expected to so it is Christmas Eve and it's kicking off tomorrow around 3 o'clock when the uh, gastro pubs and restaurants will have to close so we'll discuss that and what came out yesterday from uh, those discussions within Linster House uh, with our political correspondent Sean Defoe who will join us shortly on the show Also we're going to hear why councillors in East Cork want the NTA the National Transport Authority to offer a licence for a private bus company in the East Cork area to serve the area and I presume we'll find out later exactly what they want but I presume it's something uh, like you have in other counties and maybe something like West Cork Connect and Cove Connect and this is where the bus will not only go from Cork City to East Cork but go to more rural areas of East Cork which may feel at the moment they're underserved by the bus errand route. Now, East Cork is well served with public transport with train and bus options, but then if you go into the more rural parts, it might not be. I know Dungourney was one of the areas mentioned in this. So your views are welcome on that, and we'll speak with a local councillor there, Daniel Toomey, later this morning. And we're going to stay on transport because if you are a regular commuter or live in the area and travel on the Cork to Limerick road, especially between Cork and Mallow, You may have noticed over the weekend signs were erected on that roadway and basically they were saying in the Morn Abbey area, no way to motorway. We're going to speak to Councillor Liam Madden who's from that area on the feeling in Morn Abbey regarding the motorway because the two routes that are proposed will go through that area. Some are saying it will split their communities, their lands, their farms and while 
looking at those signs and when we put this up on our social media feeds at the weekend you would think that everybody was against this motorway or had concerns but then I came into a lot of emails on uh, Tuesday morning from people who's in Morne Abbey who felt that no they welcomed the motorway and not everybody in the community is against it so is there a split there we'll find out later on the programme uh, on what the feeling is in Morne Abbey on these two routes which are going to go through their area and those two routes of course are for the motorway the M20 Cork to Limerick motorway we're going to take a look at a book which details Irish furniture over the years how many people in the first lockdown earlier this year in March started upcycling furniture came across old furniture and maybe in their nan's house and maybe in, in various places they had stored away that they were going to throw away but they've done up uh, so we're going to hear about different types of old furniture in Ireland over the years in a beautiful new book that is out. More on that later in the programme. We'll speak to the author of that book. And we're also going to look for your help for a listener. Michael was in contact with us from the Ballycotton area. Now, unfortunately, Michael's dog passed away recently. It was a Great Dane and he's looking for another similar breed. Can we help Michael out? We'll speak to Michael on the show. Uh, and also, if you're a fan of The Din, which made a comeback to RTE, over the last number of weeks well you would have seen local girl from Carrigneverre Sinead Quinlan on that show and when the din came back we got a lot of texts uh, the following Monday uh, saying did everybody notice Sinead and we had known from the accent that she was from Cork but we weren't too sure where well the Carrigneverre community were out in force letting us know that she was one of their own so we're going to chat with Sinead later in the show on how it all came about for her ending up on the din and will it make a return in 2021 she'll join us later in the show so a bit of fun there as well that and more to come between 10 and 1 and your views are welcome 1850 333 103 or indeed text or whatsapp 086-2103-103 back to your calls and comments firstly to do with the weather and road conditions and I have a lot of people asking uh, various uh, questions on roads this morning so this is the very latest that's coming into us from people right across the county uh, and within the last 30 minutes there was still flooding on the Kildallery side of Mallow so if you're in that area take care also then in Mallow there's reports of flooding if you're travelling towards Drumahan near Newbury uh, you're being asked to use a different road there at the moment due to flooding and earlier you would have heard on traffic from Kin Parish that the Carrigahan to Clorow Road that was flooded near Healy's Bridge Gardaí remain at the scene there also if you're heading into Bandon this morning uh, surface water on many of the roads approaching Bandon it's bad though on the Bandon to Crossbury Road around Brinney a lot of uh, surface water there at the moment and also if you're on the Bandon to McCroom Road Uh, Now this was in the last 20 minutes maybe this has changed but the road we were told 20 minutes ago was impassable between Bandon and Temple Martin this was near Duke's Wood so maybe that has been dealt with but if not be aware of that that road was impassable due to flooding and also the council are dealing with flooding uh, just outside Bandon on the Inishannon side so the Glashan Road there going towards Inishannon just outside Bandon again there the councillor working on that to relieve the flooding on that road and again if you're in the Inneskeen and Copeen area yeah, the Inneskeen and Copeen Road that does remain flooded at the moment Gardaí remain unseen there in McCroom on the city side of McCroom at Cool Cower there's flooding there this morning and the usual flooding uh, which happens uh, every time there's heavy rain and this is on the road from McCroom to Dunmanway at Ardcahan Bridge that remains flooded as does in Clonakilty if you are travelling to Dunmanway just outside Clonakilty on that road there's flooding and if you're going from Drina to Ballinacarraga uh, that road is still impassable 
available in the Ballina Carriga side of the Dunmanwe turnoff. Uh, so to beware and also beware because it's quite dark in some areas so some people are driving into the floods without even realising how deep they are. Um, Jane here on text asking about the Drummer League to Skibbereen Road because she's an appointment this morning in Skibbereen. Jane, I can tell you the latest we have on that. Uh, that road is still flooded and a lot of surface water uh, on the approach road. So just take care if you're travelling from Drummer League to Skibbereen. And then if you're travelling from Fermoy to Tallow, uh, again, there's a lot of excess water reported on that road and spot, spot flooding. The Gardaí have been in touch to say if you're travelling between Fermoy and Tallow this morning to slow down on that stretch of road. And from flooding to snow... Uh, I have a, a text here from Liam who says, Morning JP, I am travelling back home to Kerry today for Christmas, but I was thinking of venturing the Connor Pass. That's a route I would take sometimes, but is it free to do so? I can tell you, Connor, no. Uh, the council and Gardaí have advised motorists to avoid the Connor Pass, and that is due to snowfall overnight. And also, uh, snowy conditions being reported on the road between Clonkeen and Ballyvourney and the county bounds. So just take care if you're on the roads, snow in those areas, and you of flooding in other areas. Also uh, in Ross Carberry, that junction there from Ross Carberry to Glandor, that is flooded at the moment and crews are out to relieve that again. So uh, that's the latest on the roads. We'll keep you updated. If you come across anything, let us know when it's safe to do so on text or WhatsApp 86 Uh, Now, I spoke about COVID there at the start of the show and the restrictions we'll discuss very shortly. But uh, on on why people are asking, you know, why is this coming in so fast and why are the numbers increasing so fast? And people are asking about uh, flights in and out of the country and can we shut our borders? And obviously we can't shut our borders and I'll get to that in a while. Uh, And the reason we can't is because of Northern Ireland and I think that's self-explanatory at this stage. But uh, people are asking about various direct provision centres and this one's making the news this morning because an outbreak at the COVID-19 or of COVID-19 has taken place in the direct provision centre at the Kinsale Road. Nine positive cases so far have been identified in that centre and people are asking the conditions that these are living in at the moment and you know is that leading uh, to a rise in cases at direct provision centres across the country and then with flights on the other side of that uh, the examiner this morning reporting that while the flights are stopped at the moment from the UK uh, more than 20 flights into Ireland from London in the first three weeks of December contained at least one passenger who subsequently then tested positive for COVID-19. And between the 1st of December and the 18th of December, one or more confirmed cases were noted on 23 separate flights from the city into Irish airports. That's from London into the airports here in Ireland. And of course, the news is coming in the wake of Ireland joining the majority now of EU countries where they are halting all air travel from Britain due to this new variant of coronavirus that is taking hold in the south of the UK. And while people are asking about the north and what can we do to prevent the virus spreading from the north to the south and people are saying that they're aware of those who are now flying from London to Belfast and travelling down and then from Belfast to various areas in the Republic at the press conference yesterday afternoon I was watching that yesterday afternoon while getting ready for today's show and the Transport Minister Eamon Ryan addressed that question from journalists on cross-country travelling from the north of Ireland to the south of Ireland this was his response when he was asked about that yesterday afternoon We are worried in terms of any kind of uh, open door or other mechanism the introduction of the no restriction on cross travelling across counties will mean that no one will be able to, no one should be travelling except for proper essential reasons, work or health or other reasons 
Uh, no one should be travelling in that way. And it's that mechanism will be the key measure, first of all, to, to ensure it. The executive haven't concluded, unless I've, I don't know if there are many latest details since we've been in, in meetings, I don't know if they've concluded their decision-making on this. We've been in regular contact with them. But um, all, everyone is concerned that if there is any gaps in a, in a protection, then, then it is a concern. But it's the restriction on inter-county travel would be the main way of, of uh, hindering that. And that was Eamon Ryan's response to those who were travelling from the north of Ireland to the south of Ireland, basically saying they shouldn't be because the restrictions will mean no inter-county travel. Well, on that and on the current rates of infection, uh, it's calculating what's happening at the moment. The infection rate could soar to 2,000 a day by New Year's Eve, but that's looking at things at the moment. That could change next week now as we head into a lockdown tomorrow, Christmas Eve. But on this, and you would have heard last night if you were watching the Taunashali of Varadkar speak speaking on prime time and also I heard Stephen Donnelly the health minister speaking as well uh, that Leo Varadkar has warned the lockdown is likely to continue until next spring so we could be having what's in place from tomorrow rolling out across the January and February what's your view on that and speaking to those in the hospitality sector uh, and one uh, he didn't want to be named but one guy rang us late yesterday evening to say that their chef they run a gastro bar here in Cork their chef was just about to do the orders for next week they held off when the news this when they heard the news what's coming on what was happening and being announced uh, they have enough food for bookings there will be some wastage because they have stocked too much uh, for Christmas Eve uh, but it's going to have a huge effect on bars and I know speaking to Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners who's spoken to us so many times over the last year here in this show regarding that there's now a lot of bars here in Cork which who have shut their doors won't be reopening their doors and, and that is sad by all accounts that that is actually happening. Anyhow we'll have more on that shortly with our political correspondent Sean Defoe. Your views are welcome and on something totally different to do with insurance uh, hopefully this will make a change and some good news because sweeping changes will allow hopefully anyhow foreign competition into the insurance market and this is coming in a bid to halt spiralling premium costs that have been put forward by the Consumer Watchdog. This is proposals from the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission, the CCPC, who we have spoken to on the show over the years on this issue. They want to take control of the, not take control of the national database, but look at the national database of insurance and have some understanding of where we are going with high premiums and then if the industry itself uh, obviously going through the central bank and all of that uh, can open up more to those operating within Europe that means more competition could that lead to lower premiums so that's good news if we get more competition here in Ireland for insurance could we all then deal with lower insurance premiums that would be a good uh, story for us all in 2021 and just a word of warning because we got calls yesterday as well on this and earlier this morning and Gardaí are warning people about this revenue scam we've spoken about it so many times before it's emerged again the scam involves uh, you receiving a phone call from what looks like a Waterford number 051 it ain't a Waterford number it's a computer generated number it looks like an 051 Waterford number but it ain't ignore it Uh, if revenue were going to contact you they will do so on their own terms but they won't be phoning you they won't be asking you for PPS numbers over the phone so ignore if you get an 051 number claiming to be from revenue just hang up it's a scam 
and people are being caught. Now, why you would be rushing to answer the phone from revenue, I would never know. But there we are. It's catching people across the country. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Bernie taking your calls. r and text or WhatsApp 86 uh, Now, the government announced the new restrictions yesterday afternoon and they come into effect uh, from tomorrow. And of course, this is following on from a rise in COVID-19 cases. Our political correspondent, Sean Defoe, joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning. Uh, first of all, the Cabinet did agree on this yesterday. They agreed on a number of measures. The CMO, Tully Houlihan, did say earlier in the week that Level 5 would be needed following Christmas, but the changes come into play tomorrow. And first of all, it's for the hospitality and beauty sectors. They're going to be uh, the industries most hit by this. Yeah, because they're facing immediate closure, really, from tomorrow, from 3 o'clock tomorrow. The, the doors will have to close. And I suppose for a little bit of clarity for, for restaurants and pubs that serve food, that doesn't mean your last orders is at 3 o'clock. That means you need to have people out the gap at 3. So the last booking could probably be shortly after at 1 o'clock. And uh, as you say, the, the beauty uh, the industry, if you like, uh, nail salons, all that, hairdressers, barbers, everyone who makes it look good for Christmas, they're all going to have to show uh, shut as well from 3 o'clock, unfortunately. And then the travel, the inter-county travel returns, the ban on that returns. Uh, now, I see people texting in here saying that they hope the politicians in Dublin don't return to their constituencies, but uh, they will be because that ban doesn't come in tomorrow. Uh, you can still travel uh, uh, from tomorrow and indeed uh, Christmas Day as well. Uh, just explain the inter-county travel ban to us uh, and, and what they outlined there yesterday. Yeah, well, you can travel uh, completely freely, basically, until midnight of the 26th of, uh, of St. Stephen's Day. So a lot of those politicians will be getting back to their constituencies for their own Christmas, and a lot of people will still be moving around the country for uh, maybe not quite the Christmas that they planned, but certainly to stay with people. So there will be people leaving Dublin today, for example, to go out to Cork after midnight. So effectively, from the 27th, the inter-county ban uh, comes back into place but there is a caveat for people who have gone home for Christmas. So, for example, if there is someone who is making uh, the, the journey where they usually live and work in Dublin back down home to Cork today uh, and they stay there beyond the 27th, they will be allowed to return up to Dublin at whatever point it is that they're going back to work. So that's the one big caveat to that. And then the household visits, that has also changed. I mean, had they outlined anything about over Christmas? I know they've, well, Tony Hoolan has issued a kind of advice, I suppose, for grandparents visiting sons and daughters' homes over Christmas. Uh, what was outlined on the household visits? Yeah, so in the household visits at the moment, obviously, it's people from two other households. And that was what meant to last through Christmas. It's not going to now again from the 27th. That will be reduced down to one visit from one other household. Uh, and that includes the support bubble that a lot of people would have had. A support bubble does count as one household. And then from January 1st, it's going to be uh, reduced to a complete ban on household visits entirely with, with some limited exceptions on those support bubbles as well. So it's kind of phasing down. Uh, obviously, look, the people will need to take this into their own hands. It, it's, as we always say, when these restrictions come in, it's not a menu that you can and should do all of these things. It's here's the very uh, minimum that you can do. And if you are, as you say, thinking about elderly relatives coming over, you need to really think about where you've been over the last two weeks. Were you somewhere where you were likely to pick up this virus and could you pass that on uh, if you are going to be seeing your parents or your grandparents or whoever? So there is a very big element of personal responsibility still in this. 
Yeah, and then the, the thing that we're hearing from shop owners, and this is causing a, a concern for those, especially in the non-essential retail, who are in this are remaining open, but still they're being requested to defer January sales. And the obvious reason for this is crowds will be swarming in, as we would have seen last year and every year, uh, to sales after Christmas. Uh, what's the, the view on this? I mean, have the governments, have they put money aside or ha- are they going to offer these businesses something? considering that they're basically asking them to not have their sales in January, which for some is a big money spinner. Uh, completely. It's a huge money spinner for them and it is going to be very difficult because presumably they have all planned for this, they have planned for their sales and it's when they get a lot of people in. But we just can't have that this January. We can't have people uh, queuing outside, five, uh, outside next or somewhere for the sale at 5am as I know they do in, in Waterford fairly regularly. I'm sure they do in other places uh, as well and doing that because it will be just a, a complete super spreader event. There hasn't been, to the best of my knowledge, specific money put aside. The money that was put aside is for those businesses that are fully uh, going to have to close. So the alternative, obviously, is doing an online-only sale or something along those lines. But certainly that detail is going to have to be worked out by individual uh, retailers based on what they can actually do. And in terms of a very clear guidance from the government, the only guidance was defer these sales, don't have them. And when we look at the businesses, again, who are affected by this, the, the beauty sector, I know gyms and leisure centres, they can remain open for individual training. And I know golf and tennis, tennis courts are permitted to remain open. But looking at the hospitality sector, who for many, I'm sure it's across the country, not just here in Cork, are saying they're closing their bars and they won't be reopening. They're looking around to see who can they sell their items in the bars to other bars who will reopen. And then you have businesses like those non-essential retail who won't be able to have their January sales. I mean, with the support the government keeps saying they're going to give to some sectors, has uh, Finance Minister Pascal Dunehu, has he accounted for a third lockdown in the budget? I think, to be fair, a third lockdown was counted into in a lot of the figures, particularly when it comes to the likes of social protection and social welfare. They did make a contingency into budget 2021 that another lockdown was going to be needed. I don't think anyone really saw it being needed to, to level five in January, even though we knew there would be some sort of levels of further restriction. So there is money there. There has been, for example, enhanced crisp payments to some businesses, double payments over the next two weeks for some of those who will have to close. There will obviously be more people getting the pulp. We broke the story today, actually, that the planned reduction in the rates of pulp that was due to come in from February 1st is going to be deferred, and that's something the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, wants to do. So they have financially factored into this. It's the practical implication, I think, that is still being worked through for, for some sectors, as you mentioned, um, who won't be able to reopen. Was there any talk on the UK ban on travel? Will that be extended beyond December 31st? And, and could we see that extended into January? Or could it be left as it is with Level 5 and continue to run on until they decide it's safe to do so? I think it, there's definitely the option of, of it being extended and I wouldn't be at all surprised if it went beyond the 31st. But what we are in at the moment is a bit of an information deficit from the UK with just how virulent is this strain. A lot of scientists are kind of saying, well, we haven't seen the full data behind it to back up the claims of the UK government. So I think that what the government here is going to do is take something of a watching brief on it and see how that does unfold up until the 31st. They won't hesitate to extend it if they absolutely have to. Eamon Ryan saying he is happy to go against what the European Commission, for example, was advising that there, there shouldn't be a blanket ban on travel from the UK. So we are taking an extra cautious approach to this. Um, but uh, I think it, a lot will depend on how this 
potential new strain does play out not only in Ireland but in the UK over the next while and whether they feel it is safe, whether they feel we have managed to escape it or not. And watching the various news channels last night and on primetime, Leo Varadkar, the Taunashtra was speaking about this and he was asked about how long this could continue within level five. He warned that lockdown could last until early March. That would see us a full months of January and February in level five lockdown. And the Minister Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, he also did not rule that out. So that is a likelihood that this now we are facing into could remain until early March. Yeah, I talked to some ministers even privately yesterday. They were saying if we are out of this by St. Patrick's Day, we'll be doing relatively well. It could well go on that long because of the, the nature of this virus, particularly because of the right. I mean, we haven't seen the worst of this wave yet. There's every chance and more than likely, in fact, that the case number will be over a thousand today. Leo Franco warned it could be over 2,000 by New Year's Eve, particularly if you take into account that usually the day numbers are somewhere between seven and day, 10 days behind actual events. So when you take into account that everyone is going to be mixing now over the next week for Christmas, well, it, it's not inconceivable to see a top 2,000 cases a day early on in the new year. So this is going to last for quite a while. I did ask the teacher yesterday at the press conference, is, is the plan now essentially lockdown until vaccination has been rolled out at least to the most vulnerable? And he sort of avoided it, which is a little bit uh, worrying in that I don't get the sense there is a, a medium to long term plan for how we are going to come out of not only this lockdown, but restrictions in general. That's a little bit of a worry, but look, this level five, not going away anytime soon. Don't be planning anything big for January or February because I'd be very surprised if we were out of it. Yeah, and you mentioned vaccines. There are a lot of texters and callers asking about the vaccines. Have they mentioned, I know they've given figures, but many feel it's not enough considering what's happening at the moment. I mean, uh, had they said any anything else yesterday afternoon in that press conference about vaccines and, and more supplies of vaccines outside the Pfizer one we keep hearing about? Yeah, they have. Well, I mean, the, look, the Pfizer one is a little bit out of our hands in terms of, you know, it used to say, well, we should be getting more. We're into a European medicines agency and a European Commission purchasing uh, plan. We get 1.1% of that, and that's that. So there is only so much of this vaccine that has been produced, and it is going not only to every European Union country, but also to America, to Canada, to other countries. The, the entire world is trying to get their hands on this. So actually getting what we're getting at the moment is relatively good. We're going to have 40,000 doses a week uh, from Pfizer in January, which means means 20,000 inoculations a week because it is a double dose. But there is also going to be at least two other vaccines they estimate approved uh, in January, the Moderna one and another one. So it is very conceivable that by the latter weeks or even the middle of January, we could be getting anywhere between kind of 60 to 70,000 vaccinations a week here in Ireland, which obviously not going to get everybody done. We're still looking at a, a timeline towards the middle of next year or even later before we reach any sort of herd immunity stage. But it is that light at the end of the tunnel and it, what a light it is. You know, we've finally given some hope that we can have a sense of normality next year. That's going to start as early as the 30th of December with the first uh, vaccination and it is only going to ramp up from there now that we know they work, now that every resource of these companies can be put into making more of it and getting it out to everybody. We're on the right track. Yeah, and listening to Stephen Donnelly speaking yesterday, he mentioned that that the more people are vaccinated for the first number of months of 2021, 
if we then are in a situation like we are now, they'll hopefully be aware that the most vulnerable in society will be vaccinated. So there might be less restrictions needed uh, by the summer because of those who were vulnerable from the virus and that could die from the virus, those who would get it then, that is COVID-19, wouldn't be, would get sick and get ill, but they hope that they wouldn't die from the virus. So that will ease things restriction-wise. And he was making that point yesterday, but also they were making the point, uh, Sean, of this new strain in the UK. Many say it's not here in Ireland yet, but some doctors, which they're not saying it's here, but they have concerns because of the rising cases. Anything new this morning on that? Anything confirmed from anybody about that? Because it's a concern to the listeners who were saying, is that new strain here, here in Ireland? Is it not? There's no definite confirmation yet. Well, just to go very very briefly back to what you said about the most vulnerable getting vaccinated, I mean, it's something that is just, I think is absolutely fantastic because particularly, and it was notable in the address yesterday, the cocooners and those who are medically vulnerable really weren't mentioned at all. They haven't been mentioned for a long time. They've arguably had it harder than any of us in that they, the advice for them for a year has been stay inside your home, you know, so mm. I just have this I have this great, wonderful, slightly jokey image in my head of uh, of us giving out in March about uh, gangs of pensioners on South William Street in Dublin having a drink when the rest of us can't. You know, it would be a great image to, to uh, be able to see them get out and out again. But when you talk about the new strain of COVID, look, it is very concerning. What the government is saying is they don't have the hard evidence that it is here yet. And that's because that would take a little bit of time, even though some samples of, of tests here have been sent over to the UK for analysis. We probably won't have confirmation on that for another couple of days, but they are acting under the assumption that it is. And when you look at how rapidly things rose, I mean, almost a doubling in the day, a day case number in the space of a week, the fact that only last Thursday, NEFA was only recommending a sort of level three and things escalated to such a manner over the weekend, that would suggest that it is very likely that this particular strain is already in Ireland and we are seeing the escalation that it reportedly can cause. We can't say it for definite yet. So I think the government approach will be act as though it is here until we can prove that it is. OK, Sean, well, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for all your updates across the year. It's been a busy year for yourself and others uh, in and out of Leinster House and various uh, and the Convention Centre and whatnot in Dublin. So will you get back to Waterford for Christmas? I'm hoping so, yes. I'm hoping to, to hit the road now this evening uh, and actually get home to see uh, not very many of my family, but a couple of us who we can actually just uh, have a little bit of the Christmas and a little bit of joy in and, and uh, in, in, a, in a kind of safe and responsible manner before the mad year 2021 starts out again. Yeah, and uh, you'll probably be on standby because no one knows what's going to happen over the Christmas period, so I presume you'll, you'll still be on standby in case things break. <laughs> I hope my boss isn't listening. <laughs> the phone off when I get a whiff of a Brexit deal or a vaccine coming but uh, yeah the, the news never sleeps even at, even at Christmas this year no. No, it still goes. Well, Sean, thank you again for all your reports and indeed you, you joining us on the show over 2020 and no doubt we'll be doing it all again in 2021 for the moment. Though, stay safe and enjoy your Christmas. Thanks a million. Happy Thanks. Christmas to you and to everyone listening and uh, have, a, have a happy new year and a safe new year. Thank you very much. That's Sean Defoe there, our political correspondent, on the latest that, that came out yesterday regarding those restrictions. And I know people have questions. We'll go through those across the, the show uh, on what was announced. Uh, but uh, you've heard it there first. The, uh, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose, with this new strain that people are asking if it's here or not. There's no hard evidence on that. And we'll know more, know more about that new strain over uh, the next number of weeks. And when we do, we'll let you know. Uh, but again, no hard evidence regarding that new strain here in this country. But it is a worry when you see the figures increasing as fast as they are. Anyhow, your views are welcome. 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. C103.
Councillors in East Cork were unhappy with bus services from Bosseran and are calling for a National Transport Authority to grant a widespread licence for a private operator to operate in the East Cork region. Councillor Daniel Toomey joined me on this. Uh, good morning to you, Daniel. Good morning. Uh, first of all, we've got calls from various parts of Cork over the years on various bus services. What type of service are you looking for here in East Cork? Is it something like other parts of the county have got over the last while where a private operator would travel from the city into that region, but also serve the more rural parts of the region rather than just the towns? Yes, um, that's exactly what um, we're looking for. In East Cork, we have a severe deficit in public transport, especially in our rural villages. Um, many villages don't, in East Cork don't have any public transport, like Dungorny and Ballymacoda. They have no public transport whatsoever. And these villages, they don't have... Um, Dungorny has a post office, but a lot of villages don't have post offices. So there's many elderly that rely on public transport to come in and collect their pensions into the towns, either Middleton or Yall. And the... Um, the public transport is severely lacking. Now, all of the councillors in East Cork have been for many, many years um, trying to, you know, liaise with bus air and they've come in to us on numerous times in municipal district meetings and we have been fighting for them to advocate to the NTA for better services for the rural areas in East Cork and nothing has been done. Absolutely nothing has been done and we just felt that we've had enough and... Um, like uh, in this day and age, really like the, the fact that people living in areas, and when I say rural villages, I mean villages with populations of thousands, you know, that still have no adequate public transport. And it's shocking in 2020 that we're still at this stage. And East Cork has seen a population rise due to it being so close to the city and house prices being so dear in the city. People are buying in places like Middleton. And then when that gets to a level where the demand is is high and, and that leads to high prices, people are looking towards Ladies Bridge and Dungourney and those areas. So then they get heavily populated, but there's no way home for many people. Uh, because the train mm-hmm. service is quite good to East Cork. So, But again, that won't be going to rural areas. And I know the NTA rejected a previous licence and so uh, the plan here is to have someone within the area operating to go to those local villages. Is there, do you think it would work? I mean, can someone make money out of this, I suppose, is the main question here. Well, I mean, the the private company that um, operates, the, say, the Cove Connect service, that's mm-hmm. the company that I asked for to be contacted um, in regards to this. And they came back to us and said that they had already applied for a widespread licence um, serving the Middleton and the greater Middleton area. Um, now, they they hadn't looked, as far as I know, they haven't looked at the rural villages yet, but that's where the true deficit lies, and that's where we really need to look at increasing the bus service. So we've, as well as writing to the NTA, asking them to, inc- to grant their widespread licence, we've wrote back to the private company asking them to conduct a feasibility study on the rural villages and with an aim that they in the future would prioritise providing services in these areas. And the type of services, would they be across the day or would there be more of an emphasis on rush hour, whereas morning and evening? Well, I think the feasibility study will, will, will you know, um, decide that. that. I, I think probably, like we have, 
in some, say, in Cloyne, the village where I live, mm. there is a service in the morning and there's a service in the evening. And, you know, what that essentially means is that uh, um, people going going into town in, in, in the morning to collect their pension or to, to do whatever they need to do sometimes may have to wait until the evening to come back. And, you know, unless they, they get a taxi, which is quite, you know, quite expensive. So I think that it needs to be looked at that we have some sort of a frequent service during the day um, so that people aren't isolated and people aren't left stuck if they get into town that they can come back. Um, you know, like, it, 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 it just needs to be looked at that where the deficit that Bus Aaron have left in East Cork needs to be filled. And I definitely think there's a gap in the market there. I mean, um, when I'm driving past there in the morning, there is maybe 20 people waiting at that bus stop. So I definitely think that there could be a profit made here. And when you've raised this now, it's going to DNT. When is a decision likely on this and when can things start moving? Well, I think we hope to hear back from the NTA after Christmas. We have to wait to see what they come back with. I, You know, the NTA don't seem very favourable in, in investing in East Cork. And I've seen that in the last number of years. And even previous to me being a councillor, councillors before me have been fighting for better services in East Cork and to no avail. So it seems to me that, you know, the NTA isn't dedicated to the area. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But we'll see what they come back with and we'll keep going with this. And what if they come back by saying that they feel that the area is well served with a rail route that many other areas of the county don't have? And they say you have the, the bus route and the expressway route. If they come back with that and reject again, I mean, where do you go from there? Well, we just have to come back to them, maybe even invite them down to have a look for themselves at how adequate that they think that their bus service is. I mean, the buses, they, like many villages with a high population, may have one or two buses servicing them a day. Um, some of those buses, even if you can get on the bus, sometimes the bus is full. You know, it's... it's um, even the... Um, we've had... In recent, we've had issues with the, um, the, the, the bus that goes from Cork to Waterford. Sometimes if it's full, it doesn't stop in Middleton and people going to Yall will be standing at the Middleton bus stop waiting for a bus that never comes for hours. Like the, the service the service is inadequate. The ones that are even frequent are inadequate. And I think other councillors and other TDs have brought up that service particularly um, many times. I think they really need to kind of come down and look at what what's going on here, um, what the service that they're providing and the services that they're not providing and that there is demand for. I know IBEC had a report recently looking at the regionality of every region in uh, Ireland and they were looking at transport and in Cork they did say that we need more of those connect bus services like they have mm-hmm. in Dublin, like what you mentioned there with Cove. Uh, so hopefully when you go again and, and the NTA look at this, they will put those reports in with their submissions as well and, and take everything into account because because for Cork to go forward and as Cork grows, we need more of that investment and people want to use public transport more so these days. Obviously with COVID at the moment, different scenario, but when that's over, uh, people will want to return to public transport. For the moment, Danielle, we'll uh, keep you updated with this and we'll uh, wait and see what decision comes back from DNTA for the moment. Thanks for joining us on the programme and Thank happy you, Christmas. Jean-Paul.
Happy Christmas. Take care. Uh, Councillor Daniel Toomey there on that issue. Are you living in East Cork? Do you agree with her there that there is a need for further bus services in the East Cork region? Let us know. Text or WhatsApp 086 2103103. Call Bernie 1850 Good morning. 1850 Bernie taking your comments across the show or you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103103. You can tweet us at C103 Cork and just an update on flooding situations across the county. I know we covered a lot earlier on on the show but there's still flooding on the Mallow side of Cadollery. You're asked to take care there and reports of flooding in the Ovens area around Casey's Cross still also approach roads to Bandon. A lot of heavy surface water on those as there is in the McCroom area and flooding as always at Arcahan Bridge between Dumanway and McCroom. Uh, so just take extra caution this morning wherever you are travelling on the roads. Uh, there is a lot of spot flooding in various areas of the county and just before we get into a number of comments on the level 5 restrictions that are coming in uh, Cork City Council have been in touch they have decided to close the Ferris wheel uh, which looks beautiful by the way on Grand Parade and you can see it from all various parts of the city centre but it is going to close tomorrow Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock and the Ferris wheel will not reopen again this Christmas and it's I don't know if you've ever gone up in that Ferris wheel or not it's beautiful great views across the city and usually it stays there for the remainder of the Christmas period but this year uh, unfortunately it won't be uh, there from tomorrow at 6 o'clock that's when it closes and for those maybe if you have booked tickets for the Ferris Wheel over Christmas if you email info at panoramicwheel.ie they'll come back to you and offer you a refund on what you have booked 1850 333 103 lines open or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 now, earlier, we got a text in from John and John is asking, and we did discuss this with Sean DeFore, political correspondent on the show, and he's asking, is it OK for me to visit my aunt and uncle in a house in Kenturk over Christmas? I'm in Mill Street, says John. Well, on that... Again, a lot of this is down to personal responsibility. I mean, the official word from the government from tomorrow for Level 5 is from December 24th, Christmas Eve, visitors to your home, you can have two other households maxed. Then from the 27th of December, you can have one other household max. And then from the 1st of January, you are asked to have no visitors. But John and others, if you think maybe you've been in a situation where you're in a, working in a busy environment or you've been out somewhere... And you may feel that maybe you haven't been safe or, or that you're worried yourself of who you have been in contact with. Well, then, you know, again, it's down to personal responsibility. Don't visit them if, if you feel that they're in a vulnerable position and you could be bringing something into the house. But if you feel you're OK, well, you can on the government restrictions I have just mentioned there. But again, a lot of this is down to personal responsibility and how you feel. And if they are also comfortable with you calling to them because I think a lot of people this Christmas before you call anywhere you're straight out and people are asking I do you want me to call over will I call over I'm conscious of the numbers rising with Covid how do you feel about me calling and that's what the majority of people are doing and no one is taking offence to someone saying look I'm limiting my contacts a lot of my own mates have said that this Christmas there's a lot of our own friends this Christmas that we'd be close friends with we've just said uh, at the start of December uh, the age groups are, are, are increasing across all age groups and we're just going to leave it because a lot of us will be travelling home uh, to various areas of the county and outside the county for Christmas so be 
because of all of that, many people have decided to limit their contacts and they're not visiting anyone and we're not meeting up with friends and anything that was booked has been cancelled. And that's the reality. So again, personal responsibility for a lot of people. They're the guidelines, but you know, make your own guidelines in a way. It's it's down to, I mean, we've been responsible enough before COVID. Uh, so you would take it that people would be responsible during COVID, but, uh, you know, you shouldn't take government guidelines to have common sense. Uh, sometimes we lack common sense, not only here, but across the world. Anyhow, uh, some of your calls and comments that are coming in to us on this. Uh, somebody's asking about the off licenses. Are they open and closed? Uh, they are remaining open. Uh, that's what they are off licenses and people have mixed views on that. And hi to John in Buttevant. He's asking about the new restrictions coming into effect starting tomorrow. What is the situation regarding nursing homes? Now, I could read out what we have, but I'm going to wait. We've been on with uh, speaking with Tyke Daly. He's going to come back with us just to give you a, a definite answer on nursing homes. The only reason I say that is because we've got mixed views this morning from people who have rang nursing homes their relatives are in. And there's different responses coming back. So uh, we'll just hold off on that one and we're going to get an official response on that shortly. Uh, and I know there's government information out on this, but there seems to be uh, nursing homes are, are operating differently. Uh, so we'll just see what uh, the Nursing Homes Ireland, what they say first and come back to you with that, John. We'll bring you an update on that across the show. And hi to Joe in Demanway who is saying, why did they phase these restrictions? Why didn't they just shut everything down from tomorrow? It sounds crazy. Throwing out too many dates out there. It's just going to confuse everybody. Can I? Can't I? And shut that border with Northern Ireland, says Joe in Dunmanway. And John saying, how come nobody is saying anything about how little vaccines we are getting in this country? We need 13 million to vaccinate everyone in this country twice. The government are failing and are falling asleep at the wheel, says John. 10,000 vaccines is an insult. We need at least 1 million tomorrow and get it into people 24 hours a day. It's going to be a long year ahead of us with plenty doom and gloom uh, says John and text to 0862103103 regarding the vaccines which we did discuss uh, with Sean earlier on and the government we hear about the Pfizer vaccine there are others out there that will be coming into play in the early part of next year and hopefully it won't be all doom and gloom uh, when they get rolled out again. Something that was said yesterday by the Tonish Lee of Varadkar was that when the most vulnerable in society, when the vaccine is rolled out in the first three or four months of the year, and then if we have uh, a, a situation like now in July or August or September, depending on how things go, uh, that we wouldn't have to face these type of restrictions because the most vulnerable who would die from this would be vaccinated and that those who may get it would just fall ill. That's the words that were said yesterday and that's the way they're looking for the, the latter part of, of next year. But again, things change. We've seen how things have changed so fast over the last few days. John and Cove says the reason for these lockdowns and the reason for everything going on at the moment and for COVID cases rising is because, according to John, people were going into pubs and watching matches and there was no social distancing going on outside the pub. The pubs did the best they could, but afterwards people weren't social distancing, says John in Cove. And Maria says, I do feel really sorry for the beauty and hospitality sector this time around. So many people now again will be on the PUP. It's so sad to see people who have worked so hard to make this happen again out of work. Pubs did obey and did adhere to all the rules. It's just what happened outside the bars that led maybe to the situation we are in. But well done, says Maria, to all the pubs on the work they have done uh, and the ones who made everybody feel safe. It's a shame for those working in the industry. 
on text to 0862103103 or call Bernie 1850 103 and a text to here if we can help this person they found a pair of glasses beside their car in the Dunn Stores car park in Mallow yesterday afternoon uh, roughly between the time of 3.45 and 4.15 so that person is in Mallow later today it's what she thinks is it looks like anyhow a lady's pair clear frame glasses so if you've lost uh, a pair of glasses clear frame uh, let us know we have that person's number and we can put you in touch with that person who will be back in Mallow later on today to help you on that one 1850 on the way next we're going to hear about what seems like and the responses we're getting is the uh, community more Abbey seems split on this uh, M20 motorway which will cut through their communities we'll discuss that next C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a taxi and minibus driver wanted for a school run in the city. You must have an SPSV licence. Contact 087-295-5797. CE placements are available in Blarney, Inniscarra, Kilcully, Whitechurch and the Granada areas. And there's also vacancies for caretakers, groundskeepers and office assistants. You can contact Sarah for more on 021-438-4444. And Batting College coaches, they require a bus driver for full and part-time school transport contract. Email balcoach at aircom.net or phone them on 021-487-3828. And this position is subject to guard vetting. These jobs and more you'll find on c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cor- Talk today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103. Closing dates for the submissions for the Cork to Limerick motorway is extended to the 15th of January next year with many communities demanding those living in the proposed routes have their say. We heard from Whitechurch last week where residents had concerns and this week we're hearing from residents in Morn Abbey who were also having concerns. Councillor Liam Madden who's in that area joins me. Good morning to you Liam. Good morning, Joe Paul. And thanks for joining us. First of all, a lot of this has come up again this week because of those signs which were erected over the weekend on the Cork to Mallow Road and they were saying no way to motorway from those in Morn Abbey. Is that the case? Because we then got emails, we put up the video of that sign at the weekend and we had a number of emails then from people in the Morn Abbey area who were saying no, that some welcome the motorway going through that area of North Cork. Yeah, um, I suppose, and um, good morning to listeners as well there. I suppose, John Paul, um, just on that, I suppose, look, um, I suppose any, there, there's obviously a group of concerned, um, obviously some farming community and some some householders, um, and, you know, they want to put their views forward as well, which which is rightly so. So I suppose during this COVID thing, it's very hard at present for a group to kind of form, but, you know, they're, they are a group out there, and I suppose it's like any part of the motorway down along. There is groups like that. Look down in Monaster there in, in Croom, there's another group, and you you will have that. But in in here in Mornaby, I suppose we we the Mornaby Community Council we represent, um, you know the community, and we we will be putting in submissions from all groups, um, from schools, from from GA clubs, from individuals, from hauliers, and so forth. So. Um, but there are only still submissions, you know. And from speaking with people in the area, there is concerns there because many say it will split lands and split farms on the two routes that are proposed to go via Mornaby. Yeah, I suppose um, 
there was a route picked t- 10 years ago, um, which is the, the green route there. Um, and I suppose that that was an upgrade of, of I suppose, the N20 down as far as Lizard. I suppose it started more in every parish, really, and then it was going through more in every parish and heading over and heading across the Blackwater, Rahan. Um, that, that route, obviously, um, would go through a lot of farms, the same as the, the, the Navy route, the same the same with the route above and Whitechurch, the same with... I mean, down in Buttevant, you know, we, we have a different situation then because the road is, has to go to the left or right of Buttevant and the same with Ballyhea and Charfel. But um, I suppose a lot of people here as well, when the, when the routes came out there a couple of weeks ago, I suppose there was a route that wasn't there before, I suppose, the upgrade of the present in 20. And, and I suppose the green route there is, is a lot of the upgrade actually is as far as the start of more every parish. So, if if there was a further upgrade of that, maybe to the, the age of Mallow. But the the one thing here about all this is that Mallow itself, um, in relation to the ring road, there's a huge thing going on there in relation to the ring road, and I think that's going to play a key in this because we're not going to cross the black water with a, a ring road around Mallow and a motorway. You know, so that's not going to happen. There's going to be one crossing, but it would be great if we had, which we expect in another couple of months, the ring road around Mallow, it would be narrowed down to a couple of routes. And regarding the M20 ahead of the ring road, I mean, compulsory purchase orders will have to be made here on land, Liam. And that's yes, where sorry. the concern is, is coming from, from those communities. But it, I'm sure as a councillor, you'll be aware that the existing Cork to Mallow Road and Cork to Limerick Road just isn't sustainable. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
unsustainable. I mean, lives have been lost on that road. The road itself it has to be one of the most unsafe roads in the country, just the layout of it. You have people putting all of junctions everywhere. You have the wire in the middle of the road. If you yeah. speak to people who never travelled that road frequently, they hate it. They just don't want to travel on that road to Mallow. It is having an impact on business. Some business, not all, but some businesses have said to us it is impacting on their business, getting to and from their business, from Cork and also from Limerick. Uh, so from a council point of view, are you in favour of this motorway? And despite what is going to happen, it is going to have to cut through somebody. Yeah, I suppose, you see, the, the upgrade of the N20, we, there is no one knows what that uptake in, in, or upgrade intakes or entails. And I think that's a big situation because we won't know that until they, they come down, if, if that came down to the road. So, I mean, the, the big thing then would be if, if we were upgrading, how do you keep your on and offs? How do you need a flyover? Do you need all these things? I mean, the, the communities from Whitechurch, Greenland down to Mornaby, down to Butterman, New Tupper House, all them communities will need the crisscross uh, across the parish as well. So they're all the... And, and I mean, if you if you talk about the safety and you talk about... There is no doubt um, the need, I suppose, we, we have, I suppose, every time the, the Cork Road opened, I suppose, over the... The, the upgrades were done over the last 20 years. It was more or less out of date, and, and, and I suppose that's that's a concern as well. That, And I suppose the connectivity here as well between our communities, but we also need the connectivity between Cork and Limerick, and Limerick-Galway, you know. And just when you mentioned there about the existing N20 and the upgrade, because yeah. the routes, and I don't want to get too technical because for people outside yeah. the area, they won't know what we're on about, but just on yeah. the, everybody will know the Cork to Mallow Road. Uh, that road, do you mean they're going to upgrade that road instead of building a new M20? And if that is the case, yeah. then the obvious thing is they're going to have to widen that and do yeah. and, and cater for the existing traffic on the road and widen it at either side. So I would presume the land and those living at either side of that will be those who are affected most. Yeah, it, it, it would be great if we knew the upgrade, whether it's going to be, if, if it was for a dual carriageway or a motorway, that, that's fierce important. But um, I suppose if you look at one of the routes there already, it was an upgrade really from Blarney to Lissard because all the, they were using the existing road there in, in the green route there so that's, that's, that was in the plan already but I suppose this route about upgrading took a lot of people by surprise you know it wasn't there 10 years ago um, and I suppose the other thing is well I suppose the, the Mornelli Parish I suppose it's all on the right hand side of it you know we have we have a huge um, the, the implications there are going to happen like especially for planning now as well you know but if you just get back to, you know, you talk about the traffic and everything we on our road here, and we one part of the plan there is, you know, from Charter is about upgrading railway stations and things, but that needs to be a major part of the plan because we can take a lot of our traffic off by opening railway stations, the likes of Ballyhee and Butterfant and Ornabby and up along in Grinna and so forth, and that will help the situation as well because it, um, the big problem is we a lot of us here can leave more navy. We can be in Cork in fifteen minutes, but we we can't navigate around the city. That's that's another problem we'd have to be addressed with the motorway. You know. Yeah, open up and, and bring the train services back and that will yeah. get people back using public transport that they would use if the services were there. Stay there, Liam, because Lisa joins me on the comment line. Good morning to you, Lisa. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Do you live in Moore Abbey? No, I don't. I live in Ballymagooley, which is East Mallow. So it's a little bit away, about 10 minutes. 
um, on the east side of Mallow. And this will impact you because you have uh, children who attend Ratton National School and we've got emails in from parents, other parents in that area as well, who were concerned because they feel these routes, that they are too close to the school. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think under the current plan, the motorway would run about 200, 250 metres from the school right through the valley, which would be in the complete eye line of the school in the Vista. So we would have serious concerns with air pollution and, you know, uh, in the school and not to mention the huge biodiversity loss in the area. The school is really privileged where it's based at the moment in terms of all that. It's a beautiful area, clean air, lots of nature surrounding it. So a motorway whipping right through that is going to change that significantly. And being so close, do you fear that when the children are out in the, in the yard for uh, break time, that all they will see is cars whizzing past near them. Is, is it that near to the school itself? Yeah, well, it's 200, 250 metres. So, you know, it's literally like a stone's throw. And for sure, uh, with the setup and the layout of the school, it would go up across the valley. It would be right in their eye line. So air pollution, noise pollution would absolutely be two huge concerns, um, you know. And what have others in the area and parents, what have they said about this? Because if you're attending that school, you must be living locally, as you said, as others are. Yeah. I, apart from the school, is it personally going to impact you as well for your homes, for, for businesses, for landowners in your region? Yeah, well, for sure, landowners in our region, you're talking about farms, you know, that have been in families for generations being destroyed, like CPOs for those people, unfortunately, a lot of farms. So that's a livelihood destroyed, um, lives destroyed. We live one kilometre from the school and the motorway would be roughly 400 to 450 metres from us, from our house. Um, so it would negatively impact us for sure. We have neighbours that would be even closer to us and some that would be looking at a compulsive purchase order. Um, you know, the quality of life for all of us around here would be significantly degraded if this road goes ahead. Um, and, you know, I we personally wouldn't be one of the worst impacted in terms of proximity to it. But we absolutely would be hugely negatively impacted with the huge wildlife loss that will come with this road. There is no doubt about that. Huge loss of wildlife, of biodiversity. And I suppose, John Paul, the biggest concern I have in that regard is that we have four protected species that live very happily here with us at the moment. We have the buzzard, the red squirrel, the barn owl and the otter. They all live in this immediate area here and right around the locality. You know, and if you look at the barn owl alone, that's the most threatened species of owl in Ireland at the moment. It's red listed in the birds of conservation concern in Ireland. That is a real concern. I mean, I've read study after study that shows, you know, these species depend on habitats like woodland to survive. And we have lots of that around us here. And once these developments go ahead, the survival of these species is severely threatened. I mean, the reality is in lots of cases, they simply don't survive. So, you know... And can you see, though, Lisa, the reason why they need a road and why the motorway is needed? I'm sure you can see that, but would you have ordered them go the Mitchellstown way? Yeah, for sure. That would definitely have been the first preference. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even from the point of view financially, going that way made far more sense, I think, you know. It was half done, I suppose. Um, And I can't, but I really can't wrap my head around, to be perfectly honest. We're talking, as far as I know, about a 15-minute saving in commute time between Limerick and Cork if this goes ahead. 15 minutes, that's all it is. And you're talking about ripping through countryside, like I said, destroying, you know, people's homes, their livelihoods, the quality of life around here. You know, the natural world belongs to all of us and that will severely be affected for every single person here. The school environment, the local environment. I mean, we have so much woodland and, and natural habitat here that people have enjoyed never more than they have this pandemic. You know, people are constantly out walking in the woods 
um, and now they're going to have a motorway plant alongside them. And it said for the sake of 15 minutes, that's what I really find to be completely unacceptable. So I absolutely accept we need to upgrade the road. We need to, you know, improve the the motorway between Limerick and Cork. I don't for one second uh, deny that. And, you know, we all benefit from that. But I think for 15 minutes saving, they're going to do an awful lot of damage. And can you understand it? Just texts are coming in here saying, uh, I would rather human life saved than wildlife. And a lot of people are arguing in the fact that we need to save lives on that road that is too dangerous. Uh, you can see wh- people's views on that, though. When you mention wildlife, they feel human life is more important. And that would have come up as well uh, during the McCroom bypass discussions. Yeah. But I mean, the fact is, yes, safety is a huge concern. And I agree with, you know, what you were talking about earlier, safety of the current road. But we're looking at a cost here of 900 million and it will go realistically upwards of a billion to putting in this road. I mean, if we upgrade the existing M20, we could certainly make safety a priority with that kind of budget. So I don't think that's a barrier, you know, with looking at the current um, infrastructure that's in place. So I don't expect that we need this road to be safe. I think we can absolutely integrate that into what we already have. Okay, well, Lisa, thank you for sharing your concerns and it's good to hear the insight of those living in the area where that road is proposed to go anyhow. Uh, thank you for sharing. That's Lisa yeah. there. John, on the can co- I just yeah. make one last point? You can, of course, me. certainly. Yeah. Sorry, if you don't mind. Uh, one thing I think that we've all felt here is the way this whole um, approach has been handled. Hmm. I have to say, it feels like it's been really slipped under the radar. I mean, I only found out about it through neighbours that happened to ring, thoughtful neighbours that let us know about it. I mean, it really feels like the whole consultation period is being run in, the, in a very cloak and dagger way. And I know a lot of people locally feel the same. It's sort of done in a rush, you know, uh, up to Christmas during a pandemic. So we can't all meet like we normally would have in groups or whatever. You know, we're all sort of siloed. Um, yeah, it's a good I, point. And, and Jim on Texas making the same point. He feels the project is, is being bulldozed, he says, through yeah. a pandemic where public meetings are banned, face-to-face consultations cannot take place. He feels yeah. those affected are many who are, cannot and are unable to get and access the likes of Zoom and Internet. He says it's unfair and it's undemocratic and it's depriving the people of the, of those who live there and it will affect their days-to-day lives. Liam, on that, do you, uh, do you agree with Lisa and Jim on text regarding that uh, Considering when the pandemic, people feel they can't get their views across, and a lot of people would prefer to meet face to face and can't do so. Yeah, um, hi, hi Lisa. There, look, um, I, I, I listened there to Lisa as well, and you know, as as um, a former member of the board of management of Bournemouth School and and parent association as well, I realised that you know, Rahan actually Bournemouth School and Rathdoff, they're, they're actually in in very similar positions in relation to this. Um, so I mean, it, it's hugely important here as well that all these schools get in their submissions, whether it's from parents, whether it's from board of management, parents associations, and I suppose the the one the one point there is I suppose in relation to um, January the fifteenth is the closing date. I suppose all of that has been brought on people with, as, as Lisa said, you can't get together. I mean, it's I suppose any community always need to get together on these things that's hugely important because there does a lot of views and a lot of things can come out of it and that has been a big problem in all this and it, it applies to another group we hear as well the, the NVTA the turbine group where there's planning as well and the submissions must be in in February so again all the communities I suppose all the communities actually are being hit at present with the two of these developments they're being hit with COVID so you know there should be some flexibility in some form. How it can be done, I don't know, but it should be done in some form to, to accommodate the communities.
You know, well, that, I think that, they, at the very least, they should extend the period of consultation. I mean, yeah. you said it there as well, um, John Paul and Liam, you said it, you know, that a lot of people just can't access online and aren't yeah. savvy with technology. I mean, I know a lot of our older neighbours here, I was saying to them, you know, you can punch in your postcode and have a look around and they just couldn't get their head around it. Understandably. Um, yeah. I think that's really, okay. really unfair. They just, and then they lose interest in it. You know, they can't go any further with it, which is, is, is just not right. Yeah, yeah, and Liam, yourself, because a lot of people are asking the same question. Do you agree with the motorway cutting through Morn Abbey? Well, I, would you I rather it go Mitchellstown? No, I, I suppose that, that, that was looked at as well, I suppose, Mitchellstown. And the first thing they done there was there was a survey in relation to the Yeah, and, and, and we've discussed that, but just your own yeah. view, are, are you happy well, with, the, with Morn Abbey being split with this motorway as locals are referring it to? I think you should look at you should look at the options, uh, as, as Lisa said there. If, if if the upgrade can be done, uh, and it, it, it's quite possible that you can do an upgrade between Cork and and and, and Mallow, but unfortunately you can't between like the likes of Botswana and places like that would mm. have to be bypassed. So uh, that's why in saying that the ring road and Mallow and why the options and why we should look at every option um, first rather than going through the countryside, you know, going through farmers. I mean, the big, the navy or the green there is affecting the farming community in a huge, huge way, and there's no doubt about that. But even and upgrading the existing road will still affect farming because you're going to have to take land on either side of that road as well. And I don't yeah. know if they can do that because the train tracks run next to the N20 in some parts. Yeah, well, I, it would be great if we know what the upgrade entails. But there is, if, if, if you can look at that road, there is, sufficient in, in a lot of places where it can be widened and it can be done. You know, yeah, so it, 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 it's not it's not impossible. Mm. Um, and I suppose the other thing as well is that the big thing is, is going to be getting around Mallow and and, and that's why I, I keep saying with the ring road in Mallow, but it is hugely important because you have, again, if you go beyond the county hospital in Mallow and you head for Butterwind, head out for um, Borash where they're talking, starting the motorway, that's a reasonably good road again that can could be widened. It could be so. There, there's, there's nothing impossible, really. Like we, we should look at them, and I think it's great that that option is there this time. It wasn't there the last time, and that is there this time. Well, the big thing is submissions, as we mentioned at the start, that they have to be in until on the fifteenth of January. So I presume you guys would welcome everybody in that area to to get your submissions in. And it's the how did they do that, Liam? By the way, how can people get those submissions in from those well, who have concerns? I suppose in, in, in here in, in Mornabby, I suppose um, we, we try to do a lot of it through the community council that, that all the different groupings and, and get it all together and get it in, in one go because but individuals are doing them as well. You know, they're, they're, um, they're getting out. There's, there's a pick, you get out a couple of questions, so many questions, and you, you write out your submission. But the, the important thing to remember here is these are submissions. Um, it, it's next May or June when we get the exact route that we, we're going to have then it's going to be the objections and it's going to be trying to, if, if we got one of the two routes that's mentioned there, it's then that there's huge and, and I will say any group that's formed there, you know, they need to, they need to be strong, they need to be, to fight all these, if, if they, but if you don't have a group, um, and I mean, one thing I will say more than that we have been very successful in, you know, always as a community staying together, and I'm sure the Rahan community are very strong as well. The, the Grenna community, the White. Well, they, I would just say there, Liam, they are, but unfortunately, like I said, there's a severe lack of cohesion between the communities because of the way this has been handled. I mean, I know people that were calling door to door to neighbours who didn't know anything about this, 
I know yeah. on the west side of Mallow, they received something in the post about the development of the road recently. We received nothing. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're the ones being affected by this potentially, and yeah. there was I, nothing. And, and I, I agree with you, Lisa, and I yeah. know that, that I queried that as well, and, and I discovered that there was some of the letters delivered on the wrong side of the N20 going out from Mallow to um, to Waterford. They were delivered on the on the on the Ballycar side. So the wrong people got the letter. Exactly. Well, they, they were general letters, really, but there were names on them. Yeah, not but those that were affected. Yeah. And, well, yeah. Are, they, and is there, are there plans to rectify that mistake? I mean, you well, think that's very least they should extend the consultation period and I, 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 think, I think again, Lisa, that is, is that we we need to get we need to be. I, I would be lobbying there, and, and I think other people need to lobby as well. Is that we do get it extended because we we must now realise that. We are going into more restrictions. We are going to everything is changing um, in the next few days, and I think that that is really grounds to take in the, the submission date. You know. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, I have to leave it there, but I do yeah. thank you, Lisa, for highlighting uh, the views from your area, and also Councillor Lee Madden for uh, highlighting what's happening in Moran Abbey and where things stand. Again, if people want to check it out for themselves, if you have access to the internet, corklimerick.ie yeah, uh, you can find everything yeah. on that and the routes and everything because it is important yeah. for those in the community, especially and if letters are going the wrong place. Yeah, finally, yeah. Lisa. John yeah. Paul, sorry, just, and just to let people know the email address if they want to submit an objection um, and that can be as much as just one line to extending their views, you know, they can write mm. an email to info at corklimerick.ie. Okay, um, yeah. thanks to you both for, for joining us. Oh, yep. Sorry, John. Yep. Just again, there at least said, look, that is the most important thing to submissions. And all I'd say as well, look, as people be safe over Christmas and many happy, happy Christmas to all the constituents out there. And likewise, happy Christmas to you, Liam, and indeed to you, Lisa. Thanks for joining us this morning at 1850 It's something I'm sure we'll return to again in the new year. Uh, they proposed the Cork to Limerick Motorway and with the effect that it's happening, as you can hear there on the communities. Lisa uh, living in, and has children going to Rahan National School, how it affects that area. And also, uh, we had Councillor Liam Madden from Moran Abbey. Your views are welcome. Text or WhatsApp 08 6210303 on text uh, uh, a lot of people saying it seems to be that this is not in my backyard or most of where anywhere else but where I live uh, well spoken Lisa you spoke wonderfully on behalf of our community and our school well done for highlighting this how they try and rush and force this through uh, for a process before Christmas it was very underhanded no to the Navy route says Sinead upgrade the green route is the way to go a motorway in Coolowen Stoneview Slogra would destroy our local area it will divide our communities and make the current road safer. That is the way to go. And this is in connection with the driving from Corks to Patrick's Well at any time. It takes one hour. So there will be one driving it will be one driver driving under the speed limit with the lines of traffic behind them. And that's true. If you're driving from Cork to Patrick's Well uh, going beyond Butterfield, you are stuck behind someone and somebody's making the point that if you have a slow driver, basically you're stuck behind them and there's lines and lines of traffic on that. Uh, there is a lot of comments in on that motorway and what is happening. We'll come back to those after midday. But on the way next, I want to chat about a beautiful book that is out this Christmas, doing very well in the shops. And this is regarding country furniture. More on that next. C103. 
and on text reacting to the motorway and someone was making the point of lines and lines of traffic from Patrick's Well uh, into Cork and that it wasn't safe and being stuck behind a slow driver and somebody's texting saying by a slow driver do you mean a driver who was keeping to the speed limit and on that texters it's not me saying this these are people texting in who are on that road daily they say no uh, these are people who are travelling 40k in a 100k zone Frank says these drivers can be as dangerous as speeding drivers as they lead to frustration on the road doing 30k to 100k Frank says regardless of a motorway those drivers if they don't feel safe in the road should not be on the road if you're travelling 30k on a 100k speed limit road says Frank on text to 0862103103 a number of calls and texts on that we'll get back to that shortly but uh, it's something totally different and during the first lockdown so many people picked up new ideas and even new hobbies and one of those was upcycling furniture. Many people then became interested in furniture. So we were sent this book and it's a beautiful book by Claudia Kinmouth. It's the Irish Country Furniture and Furnishings, 1700 to 2000. Beautiful pictures in this book of all types of furnitures across Ireland over the years that you will be all familiar with uh, from uh, farmhouses to your nan's house. And Claudia joins me uh, this morning. Good morning to you, Claudia. Good morning. It's great to be on the show. Thanks and thanks for inviting for, me on. No problem. Thanks for joining us. A beautiful book, as I mentioned there. Some fantastic pictures on the cover. You have a beautiful picture of a, a dresser, which many of us would be familiar with. Uh, many would say maybe in your nan's in a farmhouse, it would be very familiar with that type of scene. So uh, a lot of nostalgia in there as well for people. And when yeah. I mentioned there the old dressers, I mean, I mentioned old farmhouses. A lot of the items uh, that are in this book are from people many years ago, whereby there was very little waste in this country, wasn't there? And people did use everything they had to make furniture. Yes, indeed. People were frugal and careful and they made the most of what little they had. And Ireland was um, very short of timber. It's still the most deforested nation in Europe. Um, But that situation was really, um, really acute when people were trying to furnish their houses in the last three or four hundred years. Yeah, and let's just talk about some of the items featured in the books. I mean, you've a a large array here of various items, but uh, one of them, and and there's various local nicknames on this, but the falling table, just explain about this. Well, the falling table, um, if you can stretch your imagination, it takes up very little space and uses hardly any timber. So it's, um, if you imagine, a rectangular tabletop, but instead of having four legs, it's hinged at one end to the wall. So there are hinges attaching it to the wall, and when you want to um, fold it up and out of the way, it goes straight up and flat against the wall. And then when you fold it down, it has one leg that comes out that supports the end of it. So it's got hinges for the leg and hinges for the end that's attached to the wall. And this was um, a table that was common in every single county throughout the whole of Ireland, the falling table. It had lots of different names and, and various different variations. And I discovered that um, sometimes they were used, they doubled as a window shutter. So they could be folded up against the wall and it would be a window shutter at the same time or it would be a cupboard door at the same time. Or sometimes it was on a bar on the wall so it could be sort of moved closer to the fire in the winter or a bit further away if it was convenient. There are all sorts of variations and I did a lot of line drawings of them with measurements so anybody wanting to recreate them can do so easily from my book. And they have been already. 
Yeah, and and also within that, something that I came across in the book, uh, and I think people will be very familiar even today with this, maybe not using uh, the, the likes of flower packaging, but this was something that was used over the years. A lot of people used to produce their own items and, and bake, and they used to reuse the flower bags. And that would be very common to be seen as a tablecloth and still can be in some older homes. Yes, that's right. I mean, people really, they reused everything. So particularly women who were baking a lot of bread from the 19th century onwards would keep the flower bags and they'd soak and scrub out all the print and make them all lovely and white again. Um, and then they were used for everything you can imagine that you would need textiles for. So they were used for, for bedding, for the backs of quilts, for aprons, for tea towels, for tablecloths. Um, there's a really nice description of somebody making curtains and dyeing their flower bags into pale green for the main bit and then with dark green edges. Um, they're quite hard to find in museums because they're so carefully disguised Hmm. because people tried not to let on that they were using them. But they were just ubiquitous. They were were so ingenious. Um, And they were very soft and closely woven. And they even unpicked all the thread and reused the thread as well. So they they were... It's just a symbol of how very frugal people were and some people lined the underside of the thatch with flower bags and then whitewashed them afterwards so the whole of the inside of the kitchen would be lovely and bright and light with no dust. Yes and again as I mentioned earlier always recycling always looking at what things can be used for without throwing things away I know that was something done as well with the butter boxes uh, which were used over the years as many different items but I want to chat about the Sue Gone chairs because when I mentioned this earlier uh, this is what people picked up on and, and you have beautiful pictures of these and people might not be aware of what a Sugan chair is but I would think nearly every household in the country had one of these at one stage. Definitely they did. Um, for hundreds of years they go right back to inventories in the 17th century that word Sugan chair is used. So basically a Sugan chair was a way of using as little wood as possible to make a comfortable chair. There are sort of, you can imagine a ladder back chair so the back of it is like a ladder. It's, um, it's a rudimentary frame but the seat is made of woven, woven rope. So people wove their own hay or straw rope, which was called sugorn, and they had a particular pattern to weave it around the frame of the chair seat to make this comfortable um, seat, which they could remake themselves. So if after about 10 or 20 years it wore out, they could just simply get some more sugorn and reweave it. And I found that after sugorn began to become less used at the beginning of the 20th century. People started to use fishing twine instead, but in the same pattern. And then I found a really lovely few examples with recycled bicycle tyres. So after your bicycle tyres have got totally worn and really flat with no tread, you cut the edges off and weave them into a, into a seat on a Sugorn frame. So that's the ultimate recycled object, if you like, if you excuse the pun. Yeah, it is. I'm looking here at fabulous photos of spoons and how spoons came from cow horns and how they were used in the farms and everything else there. I mean, how long did it take you to put all this together, Claudia? Because there's a lot of research and a lot of detail in this. And indeed, the pictures, I mean, fabulous pictures over the years of, of older households. I mean, a lot of work went into this. Yes, well, it's sort of a lifetime passion. I mean, I've moved away from it and come back, but I started the work um, as a student in the late 1980s. Luckily, I took um, a lot of photographs all over the whole of Ireland in in people's unmodernised houses in the late 1980s. It was an MA thesis. Then, um, you know, those photographs now, when I revisit and revise the subject, are really interesting because, of course, those houses are gone, the ones that I photographed then. So there's a sort of um, a nostalgia about those 
Um, but there is a, a tremendous frugality about the whole thing, about what people were managing to do with very little. I mean, I could have given the book a different title. It could have been called Irish Country Furniture Lessons on Sustainability from Our Frugal Past, and it would, would have been just as appropriate. Um, I mean, the cow horns are a good case in point. Um, when cows were taken to slaughter and they had horns up until the 1950s. The horns were kept and the, the horner was a particular craftsman who managed to make these lovely spoons. I have one in my hand. They're, they're translucent, they're very, very smooth, a little bit like plastic in weight and smoothness, but transparent and strong and perfect for eating with because they were smooth on the lips. So they really symbolise how nothing was wasted at all. And, and so many of the things in the book have that backstory you know, that things were not wasted, they were reused. Um, a cartwheel would be dismantled when it was worn out and used to make rockers for cradles, um, spokes for ladders from the rungs, square crates used for butter, but they just happened to be the right size to sit on. And people meticulously covered them in lovely textiles, they hinged the lids, they made them into sewing boxes. You know, they simply wouldn't throw something away, they would make it into something lovely. And the butter box is a very good example of a lot of amateurs all over Ireland using their imagination to make something, you know, pushing their skills, but it didn't take a huge amount of skill. You didn't have to be an expert craftsman to turn a butter box into a sewing box. Um, and many of them still survive. I hope people who've got them will keep them because they're just wonderful. And we've got a few in the Butter Museum in Cork. There is, Really yeah. nice collection there. Beautiful, colourful display there in Chantanier. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Claudia, well done. It's a fantastic book. I know it's doing really well. And even though it's Christmas, it still is something I think anybody would treasure for a New Year's gift. So it's something that in so. mind. Hopefully they will. It's called The Irish Country Furniture and Furnishing, 1700 to 2000. It's published by Cork University Press and it's by Claudia Kinmont and thanks for joining us Claudia uh, this morning on the show and best of luck with the book Thank you so much Happy it's Christmas been a great pleasure Happy Thank Christmas you Take care Take care Claudia Kinmont We'll have more of your reaction on the motorway and indeed a lot of your calls and comments on various issues By the way a lot of people are wishing us Happy Christmas today We're still here tomorrow Patricia's back tomorrow for the Christmas Eve edition of Cork Today and every year we are joined by Alice Taylor looking back at Christmases and your stories and your memories of Christmas over the years uh, That's tomorrow morning from 10am for the Christmas Eve edition of Cork Today But just getting back to to a number of issues we were discussing this morning. First of all, this is on the motorway, the M20 motorway. A lot of calls and comments on this. A lot of people want to get involved in this discussion, which I think we'll be having again in the new year. But on this, first of all, Samuel says, when I heard about the Cork to Limerick motorway going through where I live and then through other people's homes, I thought, well, this is not acceptable. And the council, he feels, Samuel says, don't care about people's livelihoods, homes and family farms. Uh, Says Samuel, who obviously does live in an area where the motorway will cut through and Colin says we just need alternatives to road travel upgrade railways and bus transport and get traffic off the road that will save lives and protect our climate anyone that supports this motorway is showing total disregard for our future generations we can't keep building motorways as our population grows also just to note a lot of land has already been purchased on both sides of the existing N20 to facilitate widening and upgrading of the N20 the day of big motorway developments are gone. It's greener, safer alternatives to road travel is what is needed, uh, says Colin on text 0862103103. 
And a text was saying, yes, I totally agree with your caller, Lisa. Lives will be changed in all areas along this route for a saving of 15 minutes on a journey. Families have lived and had their livelihoods in these areas for generations and now it could be taken away from them. There really should be more consultation with the people concerned before any route is settled on. And when we mentioned the Mitchelson option, because we put that to people who weren't happy with this option, uh, this texter says on WhatsApp, the Mitchelson option will do nothing for the volume of traffic that goes between Charnival and Mallow. It seems the obvious route should be on the current N20 from Cork to Patrick's Well bypassing Mallow, Buttevant and Charnival. And a texter here says the green route is mostly online upgrade and this online upgrade is only offline for three townlands. That's Clohean, Ballinvuskeek and Green Hill in Morn Abbey. Now this texter is making the point that Liam is incorrect in what he said about it going offline at Lizard but anyway uh, they say the Navy route ploughs through seven townlands at Lizard, Turin, Island, Burnford, Greenhill, Clohean and Ballinvuskeag it will do a lot more damage to our parish the Navy route will the majority of Morn Abbey people are supportive of the Green route option while John in Burnford says we cannot stop progress but the motorway will split the parish in two grants will have to be available to support people is they, if they are affected by this new motorway. And Dee is in Whitechurch. She, she's saying that she heard the green route is over 90% the same as it was in 2010. So those lands must have been purchased at that time. So they can't say the Navy route is better as they would have to purchase whole new lands. Uh, so there's just some of your comments coming in on that. And if you want to see those routes and have your say, corklimerick.ie is the website to check out those various routes which are going through North Cork for the new M20 motorway which as you've heard uh, dividing opinions on that motorway going through a number of townlands and communities in North Cork I'm sure it is something we'll return to in the new year but you heard the comments there and indeed earlier on in the show uh, the views of those living in the area and also the views of the local councillor Councillor Liam Madden in the Morn Abbey area On to another issue and this is covid and the issue we've been discussing, the restrictions which are coming in uh, from tomorrow, starting from tomorrow, anyhow, with level five. A texter here is saying, just listening to those who are commenting about COVID, this new strain may be coming in from the UK, but does anyone know how it got in the UK? A year ago, this virus spread all over the world with its deadly consequences. And this will happen again. But my point is, by going to level five, there will still be a house parties, there will still be this and other things happening which happened in previous lockdowns just looking at those house parties on TV it's frightening why can't the Gardaí or whoever stop this happening or like a minister said last week we don't want to be going from level 2 to level 5 for the next year well said to that man says this texter while on WhatsApp a person who doesn't want their name read out but is saying that Uh, With everything going on and these restrictions and people have their own views, this person feels the government had no choice only to impose level 5 restrictions fast because of the huge rise in COVID-19 cases. I live in a rural area and had a caller to my door yesterday with parish information. The person wasn't wearing a mask. 
I was lucky that I decided to put on my mask prior to answering the door. The stuff could have been put in the letterbox, uh, says that texter. And staying on COVID, first of all, Mary is in Mallow. She's working in a restaurant where she says tomorrow will be her last day. She again has to register for the COVID payment by five o'clock this evening or she will not get paid for about three weeks. The people in social welfare office have told her to go online, uh, but she is no good at online stuff so she wants to let people know you need to register before 5pm today if you were working in hospitality and you know you're going again back on the PUP and for the Crowley uh, the parish priest in Donrill has been in contact with Bernie over the last few minutes and if you're in the parish of Donrill which we spoke of a few weeks ago on the show this uh, is one you need to know about because they have decided in Donrill they have decided in light of new developments to cancel Christmas Masses on the 24th Christmas Eve and the 25th Christmas Day. They will be online instead on Facebook and on the parish website on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock and Christmas Day at 11am. They apologise for the short notice but they believe it will keep the parishioners safer this way. So that's for Donorel. Masses cancelled but they will be online uh, thanks to Father Crowley, Parish priest in Donrill who phoned that in. Just some of your calls and comments coming in this morning to us on Bernie, 1850 and by text and WhatsApp to 0862103103. And then uh, for those, you would have heard Barry refer to it there in news, but we did contact Ty Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland with regards to what is happening within nursing homes because we had a few calls on that and when we made inquiries earlier. Uh, we got mixed reactions. Uh, so this is what is happening. And, and again, just uh, this is from Tyg Daly of Nursing Home Ireland, who were saying that uh, level five restrictions for nursing homes will take effect from Christmas Eve. And that means up to one visit every two weeks by one person. And that should be facilitated on compassionate grounds. So uh, that is what is happening uh, from Christmas Eve for those uh, who wish to visit people in nursing homes. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And Cadollary Community Development, they will hold their weekly lotto draw. That's going ahead uh, this week and this afternoon at four o'clock in the Cadollary Community Office. And this week's jackpot is €1,700. And Bandron's Country Market, that is going on this afternoon. It's going on until 1.30, while the Skibbereen Farmers Market is on as well. That's continuing on until 2 o'clock this afternoon. C103. And regarding the M20 motorway, motorway, even William says this motorway talk has been going on for years. There are vested interests in Dublin to stop this motorway from going ahead. It is time to put politics aside and get this road built, uh, says William. While a lot of people are making the point that we need to upgrade the old railway lines and run local link transport buses to smaller towns from those stations and get greenways going, this then will get less traffic on the roads and will also slow traffic down on the roads and with regards to what's happening with the COVID restrictions when level 5 on the way uh, WhatsApp are here saying they will have to close the airports and ports and make sure that the north of Ireland are in the same level as the south otherwise this is not simply going to work some of your calls and comments there into Burnley in the last 10 minutes to 1850 now uh, we'll go to the phone lines and we'll chat with Michael, who's in Ballycotton this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Michael. 
And thanks for uh, contacting us because, first of all, you had a bit of sad news recently, Michael, and this is because your beloved pet dog, uh, he passed away. And of course, they are a great company, aren't they, a dog? So it, it was it's like a, a member of your family passing uh, when a pet passes, isn't it, Michael? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've, um, it's actually a great time. I lost on the 25th of November. Now, I've rescued a uh, great Dane since 1984. My uh, daughter, uh, she was just one year old when we took on the first Dane. So for the last 36 years, I've had many great Danes. Rescued them from individual people or um, from um, rescue um, charities, etc. Now, um, within a few days of uh, my day in passing, I've been in touch with numerous charities um, in Ireland, in the UK, and just last night, in Scotland, but um, unfortunately, um, they've all come back with the same. Uh, just saying that um, at present, they haven't got any names um, available. And you're uh, used to Great Danes. I mean, it, it, your last uh, dog that passed away, what was his name, by the way? Uh, his name was Bodie. Okay, so. And uh, I had him uh, since February. 2002, so... Um, and was he, he was a pup actually, when you got him? Uh, no, he was two years old, so I actually rescued him, and with, with Bodhi, um, I was actually the, the fourth owner. He started out in Scotland with the original owner, and um, she had to give him up uh, for whatever reason, Then he was rescued, but unfortunately um, mistreated. Then he went back into uh, another rescue home. Uh, he was rescued again, and unfortunately mistreated again. Uh, then I found him uh, online um, in um, Harefield um, Dog um, Rescue. Um, so uh, I had I had um, a female great aunt at the time, and she was getting on a bit. So I thought I'll take on the other one, and um, everything went well. But I had to actually go to the rescue place um, over several weeks um, to convince them that I was indeed the right owner for for this dog. Yeah, they wanted Um, to make sure that you were able to look after this dog, I suppose, since the dog was mistreated so much, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure the dog was suitable to me, and... um, after um, several weeks, um, maybe going on into month, um, I was uh, I was able to rescue Bobby. Um, probably about nine months later, then uh, the female Dane, um, she was she was getting on for nine. She she passed away, uh, so I was left with Bobby, and uh, it's been uh, just the best company of of the last. Um, eight and three quarter years and um it was within a few days i suppose of him passing it it just struck me how big a part of my life he was and uh since then um i probably to be honest i probably have mostly bad days as opposed to good days 
because you miss them. Uh, I miss him dreadfully, yeah. And that's why I've been uh, desperately trying to get um, another great aim. Uh, so if there is anybody out there um, who can help me and can be re- reassured 100% that whatever Dane and uh, I take on is going to have um, a wonderful life with me. I've also got um, a letter of reference from my vet uh, who looked after Bodhi for seven years, um, just assuring everybody uh, what sort of an owner I am. And you have proven yourself over the years with the uh, Great Danes you've had. So you know how to treat them. You know how to look after them. You know their behaviours. And are you, this time around, I know you mentioned Boldy was two years old when you got him. Uh, Are you prepared to take on a pup or or an adult dog? Uh, Well, I mean, I'm actually prepared to take on uh, from a pup up to two years old. And the reason I'm saying up to two years old is um, from time to time there are older dogs um, out there, but what I'd prefer to do is give a younger dog um, a good long life rather than taking on um, an older dog, which, you know, would probably have um, medical issues and quite likely um, a shorter life. And to be quite frank, uh, mentally, I don't think I'd be able to um, deal very well with that, you know, if I to lose another dog. But I say the dog would be with me basically 24-7. I'm retired, so I've got, um, I've got plenty of time. Plus, it, um, it gets me out a few times a day, two or three times a day, um, walking the dog which is obviously very good for my health and also very good for the dog's health. Of course it is. And, and again, uh, apart from company, as you mentioned there, it is great mental health to have that company of a dog, but also to get out and about with your dog. So it's a great Dane or anybody that can help Michael here. Michael is in the Ballycotton area, but any, anybody that can get in contact with us because a lot of people uh, have been on to us by text offering you sympathy and can totally understand where you're coming from, Michael, on the loss of a dog. Uh, so if anybody can help us out, what we'll do is we have your details here, Michael. If anybody knows where they can access or, or put you in contact with someone who may have a great Dane available to you uh, we will pass on your details to them and we'll stay in touch Michael and do look after yourself in the meantime and I hope you have people there and around you in Ballycotton looking after you at Christmas uh, well, uh, Fortunately um, I've got um, brothers and sisters in the area Great stuff uh, one, one particular brother Mark Kirby he's um, cousin Mark um, he comes and checks up on me he's, he's some 20 odd years younger than me and um, he comes and checks up on me uh, fairly regularly plus uh, I've got a cousin down in Rackhorse who where I was born and um, he, he's in touch with me every um, other day by ringing me or texting me well, that's so good. 
Yeah, that, that, you, you, you need that. And I'm glad you have family and brothers and sisters in the area. But I understand that there's nothing like having a dog with you 24-7 in the company uh, that a pet and the companionship uh, that dogs can bring to any household, especially yours, Michael. We'll stay in touch, Michael. And we, if anybody does contact us and knows where Great Danes, that particular breed of dog, Great Danes, where Michael could access one or could chat to someone about getting a Great Dane or if you know anything else, get in contact with us, 1850 and we'll touch base here with Michael for the moment Michael happy Christmas to you and hopefully we'll have uh, some good news for you over the next few days and happy Christmas to you and everybody out there thank you very much John thank you Michael thank you you. lovely man there Uh, Michael in Ballycotton a beautiful part of the country and hopefully we can uh, help out Michael if you know anybody uh, that can help him out regarding a great Dane Uh, And it is very sad when someone like that, if you're living on your own and you have a pet and you have a dog that you always have by your side and and like what happens to poor Michael there, uh, his dog passed away last month. So if we can help Michael out on Great Danes, he has got them before from Dog Trust and other areas uh, who deal in that area of dogs and indeed of rescue centres that deal with dogs as well. But no luck so far this time round. If you can help us, 1850-333-103 and we'll uh, push you in contact with uh, Michael. Uh, hi to John, who's on text. Uh, John uh, says he's just finished up at the moment with uh, a job due to a plant closure. But he's wondering what he's entitled to. Now, uh, just going on my own experience of this from friends of mine, uh, uh, he's asking about is he entitled to the COVID payment? And I would, for yourself, John, double check with the social welfare department or citizens information the reason I say that is everybody's circumstance is different I can only go on what I'm hearing from people who are in the situation uh, that you find yourselves in but these people were made redundant because their job was going due to COVID I'm not too sure what the case with you is was it just going to go anyway or is it COVID related uh, anybody I know that was let go due to COVID was uh, put on the PUP uh, but I would just double check for your own circumstance I don't know the ins and outs of your own details uh, and that could be different but anybody I know that was made redundant so due to COVID and they lost their job due to COVID well then they were put on the PUP but everybody is different so um, just check it out for yourself to be sure and again the breaking news coming this afternoon is that a member of Cabinet had tested positive for COVID-19 so in line with public health advice all ministers now are restricting their movements while awaiting a COVID test and results a number of people asking about that and a lot of people then are asking because of that news story is the doll bar closed? Uh, We did check that out a few weeks ago and we were told that the doll bar was closed unless it opened in the last week or so Uh, anybody in the know uh, politicians out there maybe listening in Linster House as I know they do or that are down in Cork after coming home the Dull Bar I was told it was closed up to about two weeks ago so I presume it did remain closed anyhow let us know if you're listening uh, all I can say is we were told it was closed if it changes we'll bring that to you on the way though if you were a fan of The Din which returned uh, to our TVs over the last number of weeks a lot of people were in contact with us and said did you know that Sinead Quillen who features on The Din is a local girl from Carnivore and we said well 
we weren't too sure. We knew the, the accent was Cork and we said, well, we must check this out and have a chat with Sinead. And that's what we're going to do next. She joins us. C103. Over the last number of weeks, with everything going on with COVID, the DIN made a return to our screens, providing much-needed humour for the nation. And many viewers pointed out to us that Monday after the first DIN aired that one of the stars was Cargnevar's own Sinead Quinlan. So we said, we just have to have a chat with Sinead when everything came to an end with the DIN for now, anyhow. And Sinead joins me this afternoon. Afternoon to you, Sinead. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Pretty good, yeah. I come must on, say. <laughs> exactly, come on, Karen Navarre. The Monday <laughs> after the DIN started, we got a number of texts and phone calls, many phone calls saying, uh, Did you know last night that the DIN, that girl is from Karen Navarre? And we should mention this. And I was like, Well, we have to get in, we have <laughs> yeah. to get in contact with you because I knew straight away when I was watching you were from Cork with the accent, but I was going, Where is she from in Cork? And Where I found out from? very, very soon. Uh, tell me, how did this all come about, Sinead? Uh, very random, like, so basically I won a comedy competition on the Ray Darcy show almost exactly a year ago, actually. Um, and then that's how I got the pilot for the series on the RT player. But when they were bringing back the den, they had this position, like, for the roving reporter. And they were like, who could do that? And uh, they thought of me and they asked me to do it. And uh, when they asked me, I was like, you're actually asking me if I'd like to do it. Like, it was a trick question. Like, of course, I'd like to do it. <laughs> And just um, when you mentioned the comedy stand-up there uh, on the Ray Darcy show, because I remember that particular show on TV, was that your first time doing stand-up or would you have done so here in Cork beforehand? That was my seventh, my seventh ever time doing stand-up, which was crazy. <laughs> and were you <laughs> nervous insane. on live TV d- d- doing that since it was only your seventh time? And when was your first time doing stand-up? Um, first time I was doing it in Wonky Donkey, oh, yeah. um, a place in Cork. Um, it was just something I said I'd give a lash to do you know what I mean I mm. never thought it would go anywhere like do you know what I mean doing stand up just something I could say like I did once um, but it just kind of took off like I entered the competition and then I actually got to the final like on live TV which is insane um, but nervous I was a bit nervous but I was actually probably the least nervous out of everyone because I was like sure I have absolutely nothing to lose here <laughs> do you know what I mean whereas like the rest of them were doing it for a couple of years <laughs> like you know, they were like, oh, this is it. Like, whereas I was like, Jesus, I've done well to get here. Like, <laughs> Maybe that was it. Maybe because for a lot of people, even when we speak to sports stars, they say uh, when they're the underdogs or they're relaxed, that's when they're at their best. So maybe that was it. You were just so relaxed. You flew through it. Maybe the others had a bit of the nervous. So it could have been, that, yeah, that could have been the, the big like reason. Yeah, the underdog, yeah. And I comedy. I was probably nervous then after it, so I wasn't the underdog anymore. <laughs> Well, that's true. Comedy, yeah. though, was that something you always wanted to do? Because wasn't there uh, at some point you were going to go to Australia? Yeah, so I was going to move to Australia uh, with my two friends. Um, literally, it's just crazy what happened. So I got the email to say that I got into the Munster final like the day before I was going in to book my flights and all that to Australia. So it was just crazy timing. Like, um, I was just going to move to Australia for the laugh, really. <laughs> Um, just to do so many have done that and they never come back <laughs> yeah I know that's what everyone does it's nearly like a rite of passage so yeah my mum was delighted then she's like she's not going anywhere she's staying in Ireland for now um, so you winded yeah. up on the competition on TV and you won that and you were just ex- about to explain there then when we just recapped on that about the call from the DIN and asking you to be their roving reporter and I would presume because Ray Darcy was presenting the DIN that he would have obviously seen you on his TV show and realised you're the perfect fit for this 
Yeah, exactly. So it was crazy how it all happened. Like, you know, who could have thought the den would have come back at all? Like, so. Yeah, I think great. it was the comedy, was it the Red Nose comedy they had earlier on in the year when it featured on that? I think so many people uh, put in ideas to RT to say, bring it yeah, back. For it was relief. just comic relief, that was it, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was just so mayhem and it was just so funny and people wanted that this year of all years. So I, I think that was one of the main reasons. And it's and been like, a massive it's hit. It's a show that like, the whole family could sit down and watch, I mean, all ages, like. And it's very educational as well. I mean, who knew that November 29th was International Francis Brennan Day? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that last we celebrated every year now. Like, That's a new uh, feature they know for us all and we'll all have to get the wigs and <laughs> yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Francis took that well. He's, a, he's an icon, like, to be fair. <laughs> he could only have been Francis Brennan, like, just brilliant. And were you expecting the show to be as big as it was? Because everybody loved The Den when it was on air, but it was, I think it was nearly 20 years ago when it left our screens. And then it came back. And obviously a certain generation would have known that. But looking at the kids watching TV now, along with the adults, it's still working for both. And it hasn't lost anything over the 20 years. It's still as mad as it was. Dustin is still insulting people. And now you're an added addition and, and you're, you know, you're loving it. And, and people are loving you and what you're doing on the show. Yeah, I know, it just it just works, like, doesn't it? Yeah. Just the banter between the lads, like, they get on so well, like, do you know what I mean? Having the crack. To be fair, like, Ray Darcy takes off the abuse, like, but he does it very <laughs> he well. He kind of, he's like the peace, uh, the peacemaker in it, you know. He's trying to keep the lads in check. And then the two aliens from Zog, you've Zuppy coming in every now and then, like, it's just, just absolute chaos like but brilliant do you know what I mean and that's the thing I mean do you prep for the show because when it's live it's literally looking at it it's like anything will actually happen or could happen uh, and how much prep can you prepare for and then when you are prepared is it a case that Zig Zag Dustin could throw anything at you you'll have to just be prepared for anything like do you know what I mean <laughs> there's no real script like as such <laughs> you know like the lads are just going through it but that's the way it works do you know what I mean because it has to be like, you have a fair idea of what's going to happen, but, you mean, like, what could actually happen in each section is kind of unknown, do you know what I mean? There's a rough schedule, but that's about it. So that's what makes it so good, like, you can see as well from watching at home, like, it's just absolute carnage. <laughs> but that's what makes uh, it, as you say, because it's so unprepared and everybody's roaring and shouting, it just makes it, and I think people love that. And again... I think of everything going on this year, it was an escapism for so many people to just go back in time, watch this and enjoy the craziness of everything that, that the DIN brings. And of course, you're, I presume people will realise this, but you're next to the guy. So when they're live, you're in the same studio, even though it looks yeah. like you're not, but you are. Yeah, that's like the running gag. Now you hear Zig, he does say, he's like, <laughs> actually just over there. Yeah, but, um, it's very funny. Like, it's, I remember the first week, like, I meant to be looking in the cameras, you know what I mean? Not the lads, but it's so hard not to look at them. <laughs> They're right there. Um, but it's just, no, it's a great show as well because if anything goes wrong, it's actually nearly funnier. Well, that's know? the thing, so, yeah. It's the one show, <laughs> if things go wrong, you're you're okay. <laughs> you can get away with it. It's even better, yeah. Yeah, I've been all over the place. Jeez, I've been flying in the sky in the whole lot. I've been huskies last week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And do you commute then from Carrick Navarra to Dublin? Yeah, I go up. I go up every Sunday. So, but like what a, I was only saying to the lads like it was just like every week I was absolutely buzzing do you know what I mean like mm. not only it was great an escape from lockdown anyway first of all I had my letter going up but um, just going to somewhere that like you were just loving it like I just loved every second of it like didn't even feel like a work at all like do you know what I mean just 
Oh, just laughing from the moment I got there to the moment I left, like just brilliant. And, and what it's happens the same now? For at home. Yeah, but what happens now to you? I mean, this is the the, the run has finished. Uh, have they said anything about will it return in the new year? Many of us hope it will. And what do you do in in the interim? Like, I think everyone would love it came back, but I mean, there's nothing said yet. But I don't know. Who knows? Do you know what I mean, I guess we'll have to wait for the new year. But yeah, everyone would love to come back, like including everyone on the show. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but at the, for me, so I made the series. Um, so we better mention it. Seriously, Sinead. Um, if anyone wants to watch it, it's on the RT player. Um, so I'm going to try and just keep writing, basically. Because um, from what I've learned in the past year is that things have just happened so fast. You kind of have to have a good bit prepared. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, things just happen so last minute. So I'm just going to keep racing. And then sure, stand-up comedy is kind of... Sure, can't really happen these days. Everything's kind of closed. But, I mean, who knows? Then again, you just kind of have to keep writing material. But, um, yeah, I do a lot of online stuff as well. I like got Instagram and stuff, just trying to keep myself entertained. Just more anything. I think a lot of comedians done that now. They've kind of moved to online. Um, other than that I think it's going to be in the pyjamas watching Christmas movies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is tough at the moment though with everything going on that you, you can't go physically out there and perform so you're right online is the way people are, are doing things at the moment and you mentioned the, the seriously Sinead there what can people expect from that I did watch that it's an RT player uh, would you hope that maybe in time to come you would like to do more on TV and that shows like seriously Sinead would move from the player onto the mainstream channels yeah like hopefully um, like Seriously, Sinead, it's basically about all my awkward adventures. Um, so it, it was very easy to write because I got loads of material on that. <laughs> Literally, my entire life is just one big awkward adventure. Um, so there's loads of different things, like trying to get stand-up back in my life. Like there's an incident in a deli with me trying to buy corned beef, uh, which is one of my favourite scenes. It's just um, it's just very funny. And I wrote it as well with um, two girls. And Joe, the oh my god, what a complete Ashling! Joe, those books. Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and the TV so I, series, yeah. Yeah, so they helped me write it uh, for the screen and stuff. So all that was great experience. Uh, two girls of sound. Um, yeah, yeah it I is loved good. writing. So definitely more racing would be good. Excellent. Well, we wish you well with the writing and with all the TV series. Uh, your plan for Christmas, Sinead, Will you be spending it in Carrigonavar? I will. I will with the parents. So it'll be nice. That'd the be turkey, good. oh God, I better not say that now, Dustin might be listening. Well, oh, but, he uh, could be, he could be, he could be. <laughs> and as you're mentioning uh, Dustin there and listening, we've had a lot of texts and calls in from various people wishing you well. Uh, first of all, hello to Tom, Aileen, Joey and Ella. They love watching Sinead on the din and they say a big hello to you, Sinead. So hello to you guys. Aww. And hi to Kiron and the gang. Hello to you. They really enjoy watching Sinead. And can can Sinead and you say hi to Karen, Evelyn, Ian and Fionn who enjoy watching Sinead and they love her quiz. Say what you see. (laughs) Say what you see. Yeah. Hi guys. (laughs) And the most important question is this one. And tell me, when you're in and around the Orty campus, have you met Claire Byrne? I haven't in the flesh. I actually haven't. I know Dustin was actually on her show. Um, he went on her show, like it was her last Christmas show, and he actually ended up singing the song to her on the show. It was brilliant. So that might be on some RC player somewhere. <laughs> so I but, presume uh, she's taking it in good fun. The, the crossover we all were waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Asha, she's some great sport, like to be fair. She just laughed along with it. But she said apparently her kids now are singing the song to her. 
Um, so like when she's trying to tell them like oh it's time for bed now like they all go crazy start singing the song about her cat so she was like you have a lot to explain now Dustin <laughs> that's the thing but uh, brilliant like <laughs> and just explain because Dustin is singing uh, that she's wearing the same cacks and then you all got involved singing it and poor Ray is kind of embarrassed because he's trying to calm it down but it gets worse every week but I'm glad she's she's feeding the and, and getting the funny side of it because I'm sure most yeah. of the RT stars are kind of worried that they'll feature every week I know, I know, but that's the thing with the den, like, do you know what I mean? It's just, you have to be ready to be taken, like, they're going to flag you off, like, that's just part of it, do you know what I mean? But it's all just a big laugh, Yeah, I think nobody takes it too personally. No, yeah, exactly, I think they expect that. I think if if Dustin came back and he was too serious or too PC, it mightn't have worked, so I I think you're right, it has to go that certain way. Uh, Sinead, it's been a a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Best of luck, we do hope, I know I asked the question, no one knows yet, but we do hope that the DIN returns uh, next year and that you feature again, so our fingers crossed for that. Fingers crossed, yeah. Uh, Fingers crossed as well that things will get back to normal in the COVID world. And before I let you go, Sinead, one big request here. Uh, This is from Owen, who says, I love watching Sinead dancing at the end of the show. So he's wondering, can oh. we can we end the show today by you and me dancing? So even though we're on the radio, <laughs> and Sinead, no one can see us. That's what we're going to do today. We're we'll, going to we'll with so much some mad news and restrictions and everything earlier on the show. <laughs> and tomorrow we have our Christmas Eve show here. Uh, with Patricia's back tomorrow, by the way, everybody, with the Christmas Eve edition of Cork Today. It's, but for now, we're going to head off and we'll chat to you all tomorrow. Thanks to Bernie who produced. Off. Here we are dancing. Get ready now, Sinead. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go, Sinead. I'm dancing. Are you dancing? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Move those hips now, Sinead. Come on. Move, (laughs) move. Yeah, let's go. Let's go dancing. We'll chat tomorrow, guys. Thanks, Sinead. Say hi to all in character. Bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.